0: Hi, my name is Andréanne Langlois. I'm a Pan Am champion. I do kayak. I am competing to my second game for the Olympics in Tokyo in K1 200 and K4 500. Bonjour, mon nom c'est Andréanne Langlois. Euh, je fais du canoë-kayak. Je vais participer à mes deuxième Jeux Olympiques à Tokyo en k one 200 m et K4 500 mètres. Et vous écoutez le podcast Pro Sport Podcaster
1: we are the pro sports podcasters where no sport is left behind
0: it's time for another episode of the pro sports podcasters with your hosts nee wallace bruce corberta Durand, and justin williams
2: on this podcast we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. we are something for every sports fan on psp whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered.
1: Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off.
2: Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half of your host, Justin Williams. And you know, we're never alone. Always come in twos and threes. Again, Nia's off doing Australian things. I don't know what he's doing. Crikey. But I have with me the other half of the triumvirate, the man who makes me sound good, who talks all NFTs on our website, prosportspodcasters.com. Anything you need to know about NFTs in the sports world, this man's got you covered. He got you licked more than a licks burger. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my friend, Colbert Durant.
1: Kobe, how you doing? I'm okay, buddy. I'm still fighting off the vid, but I've always kind of enjoyed how you refer to me as the better half of our triumvirate. Yes, so it makes you feel a little extra special because I'm more than a third. Thanks, pal.
2: Exactly. You know what? You're just a, you bring it all. You're 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 1.5. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. But you know what? We have a special guest with us today, and honestly, it's the first time I'm interviewing somebody of this caliber in terms of what they do athletically. And her name is kind of ironic for what she does. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Canadian rower Christina Walker. Christina, how you doing?
0: Good. Hi. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, I too am just getting over COVID, so sounds like we're part of a club here. But uh, yeah, things are going well. How are you guys doing?
2: I mean, I'm I'm, I'm living the dream, I guess. I don't have COVID, so that's nice. (laughs) 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 Yes, anyways, so let's jump into this, shall we? Rowing, that seems like a very interesting career choice. I hail from Newfoundland originally, like my background. So we go to the regatta almost every year when I was down there. Uh, how did you get started in rowing? Did your family like kind of put you in a little boat and were like, "Have fun," or like what happened?
0: Yeah, not at all. So rowing can be kind of a unique sport in some circumstances, especially for myself, where you find athletes coming from other sports transitioning into rowing, and that happened for me. So I was actually a runner. Back in the day, and I originally went to UBC, the University of British Columbia in 2014 for cross country and track. I just had always ran in in high school and uh, I played other sports as well, but I never really tried rowing. And so I came out west on uh, focused on my running career. And then it was in my first year that I was walking on campus when the rowing coach stopped me it's honestly just because I'm I'm tall and, and lanky that they asked if I wanted to try out for the rowing team. Mm. And uh, I was a little crazy back then, probably still am, but I love sports. And even though I was part of the cross country and track team, I figured, you know what, let's try out for the rowing team. And so I tried out and ended up making the novice team in my in my first year. And I loved it so much that I ended up Dropping running and rowing full time within my university, and yeah, well now I'm here on the national team, and that happened back in in 2019. I came over on the national team, and uh and now I I train as a rower full time.
2: Well, then that seems like one of those cool Hollywood Hallmark movies where it's just out of nowhere, kind of <laughs> like the blessings. I mean that, or it could be like an Adam Sandler movie where like. The father was a passionate rower and like sticks his child down whitewater rafting when he's like 10 months and like that's so how he became passionate about it. But uh yeah, no, I really like that. So when it comes to rowing in itself, um, have you is there like different styles of rowing in the sense of it's like I know it's usually a team, but is there ever like an individual rowing championship? Or is it just kind of like tandems? I don't really know how this works.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um okay, so within rowing, there's actually two different main types. So you could be a sweeper or a sculler. And what that means is if you have one oar or two oars. And so if you're in a single, you'd obviously have two oars in order to balance the boat, but anything bigger than a single, you'll, you'll see boats uh, as sweep boats, or you'll see them as, as sculling boats. And so we have a single and then a pair, which is one oar each. Mm -hmm. a double, which is two oars each, a four, which is one oar each for four people, or a quad, that's uh, four people, but two oars each, and then you'll see an eight. And so for me myself, I've trained and raced, honestly, in every boat class, except no, yeah, every boat class. Um, (laughs) But I predominantly sweep which is with one oar and you often see that in university rowing especially actually down in the states you often see sweep rowing rather than sculling Canadian rowing you have a little bit more sculling and so that's kind of where I had the opportunity to to race or train both up at UBC but now that I'm on the national team I went in the women's four last year uh in in Sweeping, which is one or or each for four people mm-hmm. um but i I love sculling as well, and actually, I just spent the last month in a in a single just training so yeah it's it's super unique and it's kind of cool because it's hard to get bored, yeah, you can you're constant you can be changing boats uh constantly or sometimes for other people, like we have a single scholar on the team who's been in the single for you know eight years, so yeah, it really depends on the athlete and the rower.
2: Wow, that's a uh, that was an in depth and perfect answer. I
1: hope everyone was paying attention. <laughs> There'll
2: be tests after.
1: Okay, now hold on a second. I have to go back for one moment. There, you, you you said that the first time you went to a boat was twenty fourteen.
0: The first time, yeah, yeah, ever. Uh, ever? No, I think I had. Okay, let's think about this for a bit. I had um there's a a club so i'm from a a small island back in ontario it's called wolf island it's just off the shore of kingston okay and this small and i'm talking small like the island's 1500 people and so they have this small boat club um and there was a a group that was called the Gentlemen's four and so it was like these four men in their 60s who would go out rowing and that summer, actually, they asked me to uh, fill in a couple times. And so that was the first time that I had kind of touched the, the oar or the boat, I, I believe. But I mean, like in terms of legit training and, and whatnot, that was in university in 2014. Yeah.
1: Okay. So at that time, was the Olympics even a consideration for you?
0: Um, <laughs> I think I'm a little naive in this regard where I actually remember like all growing up I always wanted to go the Olympics I just didn't know what sport I could pursue really Um, and so yeah I think I had I was training pretty intensely in high school in cross country and track with the hopes of maybe one day but like I was very far far off and it was actually in the tryout in 2014 in the fall where my the coach in rowing pulled me aside and said i mean i think, i feel like he was he just knew that that's what i was focused on or wanted to do he's like you have a way better shot of going to the olympics in rowing than you do in running and so at the time i was like okay yeah i'm switching over
1: <laughs> yeah so we've actually seen that in a number of different athletes actually where they start off doing one thing but then realize the opportunities are significantly greater, especially when the Olympics are a consideration to pursue another sport, but to go from 2014 to the 2020 Olympics, that's just, that's amazing. Obviously you're like a super athlete.
0: Uh, No, well, that's very kind. (laughs) Come on. Um, No, definitely not, honestly. Uh, And and my, my family members would also contest to this, which is like, I was never the most athletically gifted in my family and also just growing up like in school. Uh, I just worked very hard. And I think I do have this ability of like, I come from a a family where I have three siblings and I'm the youngest of four. Mm -hmm. And being the baby, I feel as though I've learned how to live vicariously through my siblings' mistakes and then to not make them myself. And I do think I've tried to do that within my athletic career and then as well as within my rowing career is just really trying to, find my navigate you know where i need to go in order to be successful but i've yeah i would definitely not uh say i'm the most gifted athlete out there slash i know that i'm not
1: (laughs) okay nothing wrong with being humble so where 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 are you based out of now
0: Uh, now i live in duncan bc so the national training center just moved up here this spring from Victoria. And so now we're located up in Duncan.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you came from a small town and then you made the Olympics in four years. A
1: small island. A
2: small, small island. island. Not even a town. <laughs> like your mayor was a dolphin, <laughs> which is impressive. Uh, so sorry about those movie deals now. Have, have you talked to uh, Lionsgate about this yet? Like what's happening with that? But anyways, so walk us through the whole, like, everything when it comes to the Olympics from from qualifying and just, like, the emotions and and all that fun jazz. Like, how'd this all happen?
0: Okay, so I was rowing at UBC up until 2019. And like I said, I'd always wanted to be a part of the national team. I had tried out numerous times up until this point. And that summer, I was actually diagnosed with overtraining syndrome. Uh, And so I took two months off and went back home just to try to reset mentally physically and i came back out uh, and just started training like once a day again and that fall so this is 2019 i think end of september and the national team had just come back from qualifiers so like I wasn't on the national team. I didn't go to qualifiers and qualifying for Canada or rather for for, for rowing. Uh, how it works is that like our country sends boats in hopes uh, to qualify for them at world championships the year prior to the Olympics. And that year in 2019, they sent an eight, a four, a pair, a double and a single and a light woman's double on the woman's side. And they qualified all of them, except for the light women's double, which later they ended up being able to qualify. And so that was like pretty remarkable uh, as a country to do that, which means when they came back, that it's not the the people themselves that qualify for the Olympics, but it's the spots within the boats. Uh-huh. And so this led to opportunity for myself potentially to come in and make a seat which would mean I'd have to first make the national team in September and then go on and make the the Olympic team, which would mean kicking out somebody who had just qualified in that boat and taking their position. So in September, I went to the National Rowing Championships not thinking about this Olympic qualification list or camp list at all. I was just honestly focused on on racing and getting back as I had just uh, had to take time off for overtraining and we ended up having my pair partner myself ended up having like an amazing race and uh, I got a call from the coach at the time where it was actually the morning after we had raced and I never thought anything of it and I picked up the phone and he was like, Christine, what would you do if your name was on the list tomorrow? And I was like, what's, sorry, what's the list? And he was like, the Olympic list. And I was like, what's the Olympic list? He's like, the, the list of athletes that will be invited into the, the National Training Center for the next eight months, who will then have contention to make the Olympic boats come March of 2020. And my response was, oh, I'm in school. Like, I don't know how that would work. And he was like, okay, well, think about it and call me back. And so I hung up and... Right when i hung up i like 10 seconds later i quickly called him back and i was like yeah of course i would i would drop out of school no problem and he's like okay well your name will be on the list or won't be on the list you'll find out tomorrow (laughs) and so the next day i ended up so i waited patiently for 24 hours and i ended up finding out that my name was the last name on the list and within 48 hours i dropped out of school or put school on hold rather and moved over from ubc to victoria and started training as a full time athlete in the pursuit of the 2020 Games. And yeah, so then we went into an eight month camp of training and racing against one another. And I ended up making the Olympic team in 2020. But at that same time, then uh, COVID hit and everyone got sent home. And the Olympics got canceled, but then later to find out that they're getting postponed to 2021. And so we spent two months at home training uh, and then came back to do another whole, I don't know, 10 months of, of camp again. So mm-hmm. it was like the eight months of first trying to make the Olympic team. Then we had to go through that whole process over again. And then I ended up qualifying uh, to make the women's four and I raced the four.
2: Yeah. Damn. (laughs) That was a roller coaster. The whole like dropping the school part. I feel that. But which program were you in before you dropped out or postponed, I should say?
0: Yeah. I was in business, so solder at UBC and I had three courses left, so it was my final semester. But honestly, it was it was really no question at the time, if anything, I was more hesitant to drop out just because I was leaving my team at UBC, but this has always kind of been my dream. And so I was able to postpone my, my studies for a year and then I finished them up online last year.
2: Well, congratulations.
0: Thanks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So what was like, so with that, with all the emotion happening, did you like, what were your parents like in your family when you, when you called and like messaged Were some of them kind of like you, like what list are you talking about? And you're like this amazing list. And they're like, right. So about your degree. Like
0: yeah yeah no my parents have always been super supportive of whatever i do okay. and uh especially in my athletic career and for my dad especially he's he was an athlete himself back in the day and so i i do find he lives a bit vicariously through me now so when i told him then of course he was like yes of course you have to do it so it's always whatever i've wanted to do they've always been in in support of it and uh yeah maybe my mom asked you know are you sure you want to drop drop out but very quickly it was like yeah this is the best option
1: (laughs) (laughs) damn right this episode is brought to you by kettlebell kickboxing canada get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Yeah, is your goal to go to the next Olympics?
0: Yeah, so now I'm back in, or we moved the center up to Duncan, so I'm living here in Duncan and training in pursuit of 2024. So within each Olympic games, we do have, you know, world champs and world cups. So now I'm training towards the world championships this September, hoping to make the team for that. And then next year already is the qualifying year for the Olympics. And so there'll be a, another world champs and then the following year is the Olympics. So yeah, my ultimate goal is to race, uh, in 2024 in Paris.
1: Now in the women's four, you competed in, were you the only, uh, like new addition to the boat?
0: That becomes that's a complicated question because um, I was the n- newest addition to the national team, but that boat only formed together like a month or five weeks out from the Olympics because we had gone on through selection for almost six months, which meant that we weren't able act- able to to train this boat until a month out from the Olympics.
1: Okay. Okay. Now, if you don't mind me asking, what, what is overtraining syndrome?
0: Yeah, good question. Honestly, I think a, a lot of athletes do get this, and whether it's diagnosed or not, for me, it was, and I think it was just because so many things had been ruled out. But so there's different levels of training you have, you know, in order to be an optimal athlete, you'll, you'll hit overreaching, and then you'll hit overtraining, and then you'll hit burnout and so we often go up and down between between overreaching and and then coming back down into optimal performance or into the recovery and so you'll see within our programs like it's often you know you'll increase the load increase the load increase the load and then taper off and recover but for me it was i wasn't doing that i was a little bit more stubborn at the time where i was constantly thinking you know more work in meant performance out and that wasn't the case and so I yeah I was pretty much like obsessed with working out and training and and trying to get ahead which ended up leading to it got to the point where I was so exhausted that I couldn't sleep or extreme muscle fatigue difficulty getting through a workout and then leading to you know anxiety and and more psychological symptoms afterwards. And so it was my body's way of saying, okay, enough is enough, I, I need some time off, which led me to to take two months off in that summer of 2019.
1: Hmm, okay. I, I think actually, I can't remember who it was, but we've actually interviewed another Olympic athlete that went through total burnout and had to take a yeah. significant amount of time off. And yeah, it just seems to be a thing because you're so driven that you you go beyond what you can really do, right?
0: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, so I would classify burnout burnout is just past like overtraining, whereas burnout you start to you know, you start to resent your sport, you end up often you see those athletes leaving their sport and retiring be because they they've suffered from burnout and they either don't like their sport anymore or they're so exhausted that they don't know how to keep going. Um or their performance just starts to Deteriorate, so that that was happening for myself too. It was like, at a certain point, as much as as work I was putting in, like my performance wasn't improving. It was actually starting to get worse. And so, yeah, you you got to be super cautious. And I think especially witnessing, you know, younger athletes and and athletes who are super determined and maybe don't have the same scope around the importance of recovery, then you can witness this sort of overtraining or, or burnout.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I understand that a lot of the sort of summer Olympic athletes are based out of BC just strictly based on the weather there. So we've talked to a lot of Kenyan athletes, Olympians that are based out that way. I assume UBC must be stocked with them. But when it comes to rowing, who's your primary competition?
0: For UBC? Yeah. Oh, Good question. I like to believe that we are always the best, but <laughs> 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 I'm a very proud, proud Thunderbird. And anyone who knows me will, will laugh. But uh, in rowing, it would be, yeah, University of Victoria and then and then Western are kind of our two top contenders okay. between okay. us and, and the rest. Yeah. So
1: in Ontario, it's the Western Mustangs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Usually it, it has shifted a little bit, actually. Queens, has been starting to um, uh, show some some more promise as well. But Western has had uh, dominance over the years. Um, And then within the last probably, I don't know, five or six years, UBC – I mean, I'm being totally biased here as well, but UBC <laughs> has definitely <laughs> overtaken them. Yeah,
1: since you got there, right? That's what you're saying, oh, basically.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs>
2: I thought it was going to be somewhere in like the Maritime provinces. I'd be like, oh yeah, that PEI team. Mm, just That's because you're,
1: you're East Coaster, buddy. That's why you're. Yeah, yeah I'm Coaster, from
2: Newfoundland. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone from Saint from uh, Memorial University is going to be rowing up. Actually, they might just row there. And be like, give us all your t- championships.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. I think I do think there's been more development in rowing out east, and that's always so fantastic to see. But I do think the the program and infrastructure out west, and I mean, I think Uvic's got a really solid program too. But the infrastructure mm-hmm. is really really strong out here, um, and the ability to row year round is huge. Yeah, massive.
2: Oh, of course, yeah. it definitely helps. In Newfoundland, you can row like for six weeks. That's about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless you're just in like a pool and constantly just I don't know, tied to one end of the of the pool, and just, I don't even, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> how How was the Lakehead uh, rowing team, Justin? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if we had one. We might have. I didn't pay attention. I was in engineering. I just died. So <laughs> I showed up in September and I left in April. I don't know what happened in between anything else.
0: <laughs> I think there was a
2: bear. I don't know. I'm not sure. Actually, I don't know if we have one. I'm going to Google that after my next question, actually. Uh, now that you mentioned that. I think so. Maybe. it well, was lakes and shit around there. All right. Um, sorry. Sidetracked. Um, okay. So with everything going on rowing and the development of it, what would you like to see done to help grow rowing even further? Take it to the next step. Take it to a sport that's on, like, prime time and, and all that fun jazz.
0: Oof. Yeah. T- tough. I mean, I'd like to say that optimistic about that, about uh, it becoming a, a more spectator sport. I'm not sure if it's ever going to get to like basketball level, but um, mm. I think always, you know, encouraging inclusion and, and development across the country. I mean, for me, the sport has given me so many things and and so, you know, trying to get more people involved in it of course, that will always be a goal of mine. But another really awesome thing that that rowing has, and it's done this throughout the world, like when you see Royal Henley or races down in the States, it can bring in quite a few spectators and mm-hmm. and bring in that community. And I think there is that opportunity within Canada to create some sort of race. I know that we have the, the Canadian Henley back in in Ontario and St. Catharines, and that happens first week in August but creating another uh, head race that's a little bit more international I think there's definitely opportunity for that and I think that would be really cool to see within within our our sport and within you know within Canada I think there's lots of opportunity
2: okay uh also fun little fact apparently Thunder Bay does have a rowing team or like Lakehead does sorry
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it actually nice. has two
2: they have one in thunder bay and one in aurelia so there you go
0: okay so you'll go join
2: yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i will be the okay, towel nice. boy because I, I so are we
0: talking sleep.
2: 2024 or 2028 uh 2032 maybe I guess. okay okay. I, okay I need to uh i don't know i don't like cold water so <laughs> this will be a, bit of a challenge
0: <laughs> well it's a good thing you don't have to go in the water so you're okay
2: yeah, I just, knowing my luck, I'd, I'd tip it. I don't know, like a seagull will come attack me, and I'll be like, oh, there I go, and my oar yeah, goes the one chances way.
0: Yeah, the chances of you flipping it the, when you're learning are, are very, very high.
1: Yeah, you could be the coxswain. Sure. Oh, but, there you right? go. That could be your spot, buddy. Oh, thank you. Just yeah. bark and orders like you always do. I would yeah. love to. I'd be like, stroke, sweet. I'd start yelling the wrong things.
2: I'd be like, foul, yeah. <laughs> bench, <laughs> offside. <laughs>
1: It's part of our distraction. Don't worry about it. UBC. Um, Anyways. (laughs) Yeah. No. Honestly, as like summer Olympic events go, I I love rowing. I'm a fan. I'm I'm a big fan of it, and to me, it does make for a great spectator sport, primarily because of the amount of like the bleachers you could have set up for an event like that is amazing. You're not gonna have a bad seat anywhere. There's gonna be no (laughs) issue seeing what's going on, and it it is to me one of the more actually exciting events to watch. Now I have, I have Dutch heritage. So
0: like rowing is
1: is a thing in my family. So I I kind of got into it when I was younger, but to be honest, when I'm watching the summer Olympics, there are a number of events that really don't excite me any, but rowing is one of them that you can really get into because there's so much strategy in one race. Mm -hmm. Right. So how long, how long does it take, say the four of you, how long does it take you really to kind of get in sync? How much training?
0: Oof, that's tough. I mean, yeah, it, it depends. I mean, it, you could you could train with a crew for years, really, and some crews do. It's a work in progress, and to say that there's a a specific amount of time in order to to make that boat click and to make it go the speed that it needs to go there isn't, or else, you know, we would have won a gold medal, but, um <laughs> but it's, yeah, I think it, it totally dependent on the crew. It totally depends on the country. There's just, there's so many variables. I do think a, a four is a very unique boat. It's obviously smaller than an eight uh, and bigger than a pair, but it's got that same sort of technique within a pair um, and delicateness within of a pair, but it's, not as big as an eight and it it still needs that power but you can't get away with just having a ton of power like maybe maybe you could see that more in an eight and so it's a very special boat that you know you gotta just have these like four people that meld really well together and we see it here too like even in training where sometimes you'll just have four random people go out in a four and it'll just click, and it'll fly, and you have no idea why that's happening or or what is sort of contributing to that. So that's where I say, like, it's a very unique and special boat. But when you get it going really well, it is like no other.
1: And in your next event, what like which uh, events will you be competing in?
0: Ooh, good question. I mean, it, it really depends on which which boat I can yeah i'm not i'm not exactly sure it will depend on uh selection of course and the way it works within canada is we they do right now prioritize a boat and they we haven't gone ahead and said okay the eight or the pair is going to be priority but whatever boat is priority i'm going to try to get into that boat so whether that's the the pair or the four or the eight my guess it will probably be the eight will be the priority boat but we'll see and if i could race any boat i think it would be the pair i love the pair
1: okay okay and i think it's kind of cool actually when you explained how each country kind of earns their spot and then after that it's up to them to fill the boat with whoever they want to fill it with it's very similar to your your classic team events really
0: totally yeah so it's yeah it as long as you it it, it can be tough to manage at the same time you know everyone knows that's the expectation of it but at the same time like If you go and qualify your countries for or pair, you might feel like you want to, you're obligated or or have the right to race that boat at the Olympics. And so just understanding that that's not the case and it's constantly moving parts and having to prove yourself up until, you know, until the boat is set. And for us, that happened to be five weeks out from the Olympics. We had no idea who was even going to be going. Yeah,
2: so I always ask everybody who's on our podcast this very complicated <laughs> question. And I'm excited because you're Canadian, so you might be able to answer this. But this will <laughs> uh, judge our friendship moving forward. Uh, have you ever had a poutine before? I have. Okay. And uh, what is your poutine <laughs> of choice? Again, very difficult question to answer.
0: Oof, I feel like friendship no pressure. is going to get cut here. <laughs> oh, Slight pressure. I Yeah, yeah, yeah i wouldn't choose to order that goodbye yeah hey, goodbye yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly because i am I'm, I'm fairly healthy so i don't actually know the last time i had Putin, but i like honestly didn't even shamed. know that there i know no shame <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i honestly didn't even know that there were different types so that's new to me
1: <laughs> wolf island guy wolf island you think that's what okay. they specialize <laughs> in? It's like probably do, potatoes uh, and like blueberries over there. Okay, wait, hold on. Do, do they have stores on Wolf Island, or is it just homes?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a there's one uh, like convenience store, like a store that sells pretty much everything. And then there are a couple restaurants.
1: Did you go to school on the island or off it?
0: I did up until grade. I went up to grade six, and then I I went over to Kingston uh, for middle and high school.
1: Okay, so is there like a ferry?
0: Yeah, ferry, 20-minute ferry ride. So every morning you take the ferry over the bus. It's actually a pretty sweet system. So the bus would pick you up at uh, 7.30, if I can remember correctly. 7.30 from my door, drive to the ferry, drive on to the ferry, off the ferry, and then drive you straight to school, and the whole thing will take about an hour.
1: Wow. Okay, right on. Are you a hip fan?
0: Uh, You know what? I am. Yeah, I am
1: okay so you are uh, repping the hometown there we go
0: (laughs) for sure yeah
2: yeah no sorry i'm just stunned that she chooses not to eat in. anyways (laughs) all good so so, we all we all make mistakes you guys can have it
0: for me though so that's okay (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah if you want to be an olympian justin if you want to be an olympian I never said I wanted to be an Olympian. You guys are imposing (laughs) this on me.
2: I'm just saying that Thunder Bay or sorry, Lakehead has two teams moving forward. Okay, and um, it was great talking to you. In all seriousness, it was obviously like I I never get to talk to a rower before. Not exactly. You guys are uh, like known in terms of the everyday world. But how can our fans find you on social media?
0: Sure. Uh, I think my handle is on Instagram, Christina Morgan Walker. <laughs> but like you guys, I also have a podcast and it's called Ooh. Difference Makers. Yep. And so that's also online. And then those are kind of my, my two channels, uh, but mostly Instagram or, or Facebook, Christina Walker. Yeah.
1: Are, are you still active with Difference Makers?
0: I am. I'm currently recording a season two right now.
1: And your most recent episode had who on it?
0: My most recent episode had Jamma Mahalalala, who is the assistant coach to the Golden State Warriors.
1: Right on. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Look at that. Yeah, right <laughs> on. Tune in. Tune in. Are they going to sign Kevin Durant?
0: Uh, No, he, he didn't give me any updates on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: <laughs>
2: All right, then. Yeah, I just gave you a quick follow.
0: Cool. Thanks, guys.
2: All right. Take
1: it easy. Good luck. Hope to see you in the next Olympics. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com.
2: On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals
1: from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcast's experience, where no sport is left behind.